Pastor Matt. Thank you, Ethan, Sarah, and Evan. We appreciate that tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, and find the book of Nehemiah again. Nehemiah, our Sunday night study in the book of Nehemiah continues. And again, I remind you, this is the first Sunday night of the month. Uh, normally, Ethan preaches, but Ethan will be preaching next Sunday evening. And uh, after we're done preaching, we will have the Lord's Supper. And so don't, run, don't go away. You don't have to leave. Uh, we'll just stay, and we'll have the Lord's Supper tonight after as we do the first Sunday night of every month. Nehemiah chapter number 7. Find that place in your Bible, if you will. Nehemiah chapter number 7. And we'll start reading in verse number 1. Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man, and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the door and bar them, and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and every one to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. Father, bless this time, bless the hour tonight. Thank you that we can be here and study the Word of God. Help us to look at this book, Lord. Sometimes we may see it, read it, and not fully understand what's going on, why Nehemiah is doing all this in the situation. But I pray, Lord, that Christ would help us tonight. May the Spirit of God give us ears to hear and wisdom to understand the truth we find in this book. Bless the hour now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we see... Saw last Sunday night the walls of Jerusalem have been completed, but that did not end the work that's in the city of Jerusalem itself. And rather, it only changed the emphasis on his work. The rebuilding of the walls was essential to Jerusalem in order for them to build a strong city. Many things in life require us to prioritize what's important. And we have to take steps in how we're going to do certain things. Uh, what, is, what is top priority? And then we go from that, and then we finish that, then we can take care of something else. Now, they all are important, but we have to prioritize. With Nehemiah, the city's important, and we have to make sure that the city's taken care of. But before we can take care of the city, the, the walls are vitally important. And we have to finish that task first and do that. So in the administration of Jerusalem, Nehemiah showed again his administrative skills just as he did in constructing the walls. Thank God for a man like Nehemiah who is not interested in, in, in making a name for himself. He's not interested in, in making money or, or a political position. His goal in life is to, one, honor Almighty God and then do what's best for the people. And every now and then a people may get a ruler, a mayor, a governor, a president who actually wants what's best for the people. They are rare things indeed. And they come along usually once in our lifetime we get somebody of that nature. I remember my great, now I don't remember, but my mother would say that her father would say that Carney had one honest mayor. Now that's going back 70 years ago. 
And he said, the only mayor, honest mayor this town ever had was Mayor Jones. And he said, we knew he was honest because the town was going broke. <laughs> it, was, it just was honest with the money and wasn't stealing it. And by the way, if you ever drive down Kearney Avenue and you cross over that bridge on Kearney Avenue where you go past the uh, Board of Health Department, that's the Jones Bridge. It's named after Mayor Jones. So every time I go over that, I think of my, my grandfather and his statements. But we get honest leaders every now and then, men who, are, who want the best for the people, men who want to build strong towns and communities and do what's right. Now, in, in Nehemiah in chapter 7 and verses 1 through 3, and, and you may be getting nervous as you look over in the next column, you see a lot of names being mentioned. I will assure you we are not going to go through every name. I know that may disappoint some of you. And, and, and you really wanted to study every single name out, but we're not going to do that. Now, one thing Nehemiah had is he had the authority to set up the administration of Jerusalem because of his appointment by the king of the Persian Empire. And remember, this king was Artaxerxes who gave him this power. I also remind you that you may hear the name Artaxerxes as you study history, and, and his name is pronounced... Uh, several different ways. Some people, you know, again, uh, I just say it the way we've always learned it. And again, that's one pronunciation that you will hear. But again, there may be many different pronunciations of this man's name and, and how it's really spelled. You know, if we ever meet him, I'm not sure. You can say, dude, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you say that thing? It's like me in my life. You know, you know how many times people looked at me and said, nah, 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 how do you pronounce that thing? And I say, Matthew. And the, no, not the, the last name. And uh, so, uh, you know, people call, can I talk to Pastor? I don't say anything. I just let them go. Uh, see, how long are they going to keep pretending they're a snake? And, and they, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, and so give it a shot. <laughs> and then I usually clue them in. So again, we, Nehemiah had this commission. He had this authority from King Artaxerxes. And his commission from the king delegated all of this authority to Nehemiah. And, and, and here he's going to provide uh, leaders for the city. He says in verse number 1, Now it came to pass when the wall was built, I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Now these are the workers in the temple. The temple... Remember when we studied the book of Ezra, Ezra had rebuilt the temple and Nehemiah is responsible for building the walls and, and then going to rebuild the city itself. It's a monumental task being taken on. Now you may wonder, what are actually these porters? What does a porter do? Well, a porter guarded the doors of the temple. That was their job. It was their job to make sure that nobody would go into the temple unless they had the authority to go into the temple. The singers, they would furnish the music for the temple. If we remember, it was King David who established uh, singing groups who were to sing and praise the Lord in the temple. And they did these by course. And so there was singing at the temple. They probably sang a lot of the hymns. And it's not singing like we did tonight. It was the singing would be quite different uh, in a more of a, of a chanting sound, something we would not be accustomed to. If we did that here at our church, we'd be like, what in the world's going on in that place? And so that's why when people try to put music to the hymns, it doesn't always work out. Sometimes I've heard Baptist preachers try to make a song 
fit and it's like taking, you know, cramming it in there. And you're like, you know, you Psalm 23 and it comes out and you're like, I ain't singing that. And I don't think that's how they sang it because it wasn't written to the music like we have music. It was different. But they had singers there, there and they furnished. And then it talks about the Levites and these Levites assisted the priest at the temple. And evidently this appointing had not been done since the return of the Jews to Judah. And this needed to be done. Everything by God is done decently and in order. Everything that God does um, in his creation and in the temple and in the local church has an order on how things are to be done. Now, God didn't tell us how to run a church service, but there is an order in a church from a pastor to deacons and teachers and so on. And how a local church actually runs its services up to the local church, to make, but as long as it's done in order and not chaotic. But Nehemiah is, is, is making sure that the temple and, and, and how David had it established and how the Bible taught them, it, we're going back to that pattern. We're getting this thing set up. He talks about here, he talks about the, the men who he puts in charge of this. He says in verse number two, I gave my brother Hananiah, uh, Hananiah and Hananiah the rule of the palace. Nehemiah appointed two men to be the governors of Jerusalem. Now, two men governing a city was not unusual. Again, we noticed in several other places that the city sometimes would have two rulers over them. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse number 9, verse 12, 14, 15, 17, 18, having two rulers over them. One of the men appointed to govern this city was Nehemiah's brother, who was with him and, uh, and uh, earlier. And we see this in chapter number 1. He was back with him in the in, in in the Persian Empire, working in the palace. The other appointment was a man by a similar name whose qualifications were exceptional. And I want you to notice the qualifications of this man. Notice at the end of verse number two, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. If there's one thing the local church needs, it's men like this. Faithful and who fear God. What's it mean first to be faithful? My friend, faithfulness means to be faithful. The Bible teaches us that to put confidence in an unfaithful man is like a, uh, a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. All three are equally painful. Having a broken tooth or a foot out of joint and putting confidence in an unfaithful man when you need him to be faithful and he is not faithful is very disappointing. But he also feared God. And my friend, that's a wonderful thing to have. To fear God. What does it mean to fear God? It means I, I, I'm not going to be, I, I'm not taking graft. I'm, I'm, I'm not up for bribes. You can't buy me. And we're not going to allow sin and wickedness. We're going to run things honestly and legally here in this town. We were watching a documentary on the mob and, and how they ran this New York City in the 70s and 80s. You'd be amazed at how, and I remember that when I was a kid, and especially as a, a young man in the 80s, how corrupt that was, and, and how the FBI and men like Giuliani were fighting the, the mob in that city. They controlled everything. You couldn't do anything in that city. The mob controlled it all. The construction companies, the garbage companies, everything they controlled. And finally, the government supposedly was able to break them and, and break up the five families that controlled that city. Well, you see, a man like Hananiah is a man who's not going to allow 
five families to control Jerusalem. He's not going to allow corruption because he fears God. They can't come in and put an envelope. You know, I, I grew up in this town. This is my hometown. But I remember back in the late 70s when the, the lid blew off of this town, when the mayor, the chief of police, several councilmen, the judge, were all raided by the FBI and were all arrested. And many of them spent time in jail. Others didn't go to jail because they, 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 they squealed like an old pig and they ratted on people. We had neighbors, our next door neighbors, packed up in the middle of the night and moved to Florida. Like, what was that all about? Because they were involved in the racketeering and the corruption and the, and the scamming and the stealing that was going on in this town. I won't give too much away, but I know one guy who worked for the town. He went out to a high officials in this town, and it was raining out. He went out to the high officials' car and rolled up the window. Next thing, he gets a phone call. Come to the office. He goes up to the office. He's just a janitor. And he, the official says, what would you just do? He says, it was raining. I rolled up your window. He goes, go back outside and roll that window back down. bag man would come by and throw the money in the window in a bag. You say, not Carney. Yep, Carney. That's how it works, my friend. In fact, if you go into the jail cells, behind the jail cells where the plumbing is, where I used to have to fix things, that janitor spray painted the date on the wall when they came in and carried the chief of police out in handcuffs. And so I would look in every now and then, such and such, 1979, I believe it was, and that's on the wall to commemorate the way the carny chief. My friend, why are you telling me this, preacher? I'm simply saying that Hananiah was a man who feared God, and nobody was taking him out in handcuffs because there was no bag man coming by to throw money in his chariot. He feared God. Thank God for men like Hananiah. We need to pray that God would give our town leadership like Hananiah. Again, you say, what did, they, what did they do in this town? Well, again, you know our police department up there? That used to be a tool and die company. The town officials bought that under an assumed name for a small amount of money. And under that assumed name, they sold it to the town of Kearney for a large amount of money, making money for themselves. Our police department was built and put in place by corruption. Carney, the things I know, the things I know, and things I still know, what's going on in our town today. My friend, God knows all about it, and there will be a day of counting. But Hananiah and Hanani could not be bought. They're good men. And again, we need to pray, God, give us men like this to help us and rule over us and, and do right by us, to give us good communities. He puts verse number three. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches over the inhabitants of Jerusalem and everyone in his watch, everyone to be over against his house. One of the tasks that Nehemiah gave to the governors was to appoint guards or watchmen for the city walls. After the walls were rebuilt, it was necessary to have guards, especially on the, at the gates. 
Jerusalem has these gates, and, and guards have to be there. Now again, while these guards are there, they were put again, and, and watchmen were put on the wall to warn of an enemy attack. Ezekiel, in his book, writes about being a watchman on the wall. What's the job of a watchman? If an enemy's coming, what do you do? You sound the trumpet. There's an enemy attacking our city. And you blow the horn and you wake the city up so that they can come to defend the city against marauding raiders that may be sweeping through the countryside. And it's like term, Ezekiel talks about us as being watchmen on the wall. That what is our job as a watchman? We're to warn the sinners. That judgment is coming and hell is real and we need to tell them of Christ. And if we don't sound the alarm, if we don't tell sinners of Christ, we have blood on our hands because we did not tell them. If we tell a sinner and they do not repent, then that blood is on their own head. But if we fail to tell them, then my friend, we have blood on our hands. And so these watchmen were up there. And again, they were to, they were to serve and, and be near and keep an eye out. And this is their duty to make sure. And he says, let not the gates be opened until the sun be hot. What's that mean? Nehemiah gives laws regarding the gates in the walls. First of all, let that the gates be opened until the sun be hot. Now gates were normally closed at sunset and they were opened at sunrise. That's when, so you know, nighttime, if you were a merchant coming to sell merchandise, you would have to camp outside of the city. You were not allowed inside the city until morning time when the gates opened up. And then you were allowed to come in as a merchant selling your wares into the city. Maybe you had a, you know, a carts full of fruits and vegetables or, or other pots and pans or whatever the case may be. You would come in and, and set up your merchandise. And, and then at the evening you would pack up and go back home, much like a kiosk in a mall type situation. But he says here that they were not to open the gates until the sun be hot. Why is he doing this? Again, this is for added security. So again, don't open those gates when the sun gets up, but wait a little while. Give it several hours till the sun is up so we make sure who's coming into the city. We can see who's outside the city. He's not being cruel, mean, or unkind, but he is, his job is to what? Care for the people of Jerusalem. That's their responsibility. Who's outside the wall of Jerusalem is not his concern. I wish our politicians weren't worried about the people inside the city inside our country. That would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? If American leadership actually took care of Americans before they took care of the world. Uh, don't get me started. i got too many things on my head which I can say right now, but I won't. So again, and it, let them stand, he says there, and let them shut the door and bar them. The doors were to be shut while the, while the watch was still on duty. He says, while they stand by. The doors were shut with finality, they put a bar across them. You know, much we've seen these in movies, how this works, how the bar goes across them, and, and they, they're not allowed to be opened. Security was obviously emphasized in making sure the doors were shut well. It's You ever go to bed at night? What do you do before you go to bed? Men, what do you do? You make sure your doors are locked. Ladies, you make sure the doors are locked. You're going to bed. Of course, summertime you may have a window open, so, but you got a screen there, and that screen will stop any burglar. Amen? But you got. <laughs> I knew a guy had his house being broken into one night. He's laying there in his chair sleeping, and he woke up and he saw his window being opened up. And he saw some guy's leg coming through the window. So he got up and slammed the window back down. Guy screamed, fell back in the alley, and looked down, and there's some guy limping, running down the street. 
That's how you fix that problem, amen? You know, hey, come on in. I'll tell you about Jesus. No, I'll tell you about Smith and Wesson. But that's, but that's another story. What's that? Whatever you want to use, Miss Valerie, I won't stop you, amen? <laughs> I'm not breaking into your house. Now I know you're armed, all right? So we understand here the responsibility of the watchman to protect the people because, again, the city is not set up yet. The city itself, the houses have to be rebuilt, and people are still living in, in shanties or, or some form of tents as the houses still have to be rebuilt. So the people are not securely safe in their homes yet. So let's make sure the walls are up. We have watchmen on the walls. The gates are being locked at a proper time. They're being barred, and the gates are not open until we can certainly identify who's outside and who's allowed to come in. And there's things in our life we need to secure ourselves. But friend, we got an enemy who wants to hurt us. We've got an enemy who wants to destroy this. Satan wants to hurt us, and we, how careful we have to be. Now, in verses 4 through the end of the chapter, again, we're not going to look at all this chapter, but we'll cover this very quickly and briefly here. And one of Nehemiah's projects was to increase the population of Jerusalem. It's a large city, but in this large city, they only have a handful of people. As we'll see later on, they probably only had 50,000 people. And in a large city... Now, Kearney itself is 40,000 people in this little one-mile by two-mile radius. That's We cram, and we're, and we're putting more in here. <laughs> I don't know where we're putting them, but they're stacking them on top of each other around this place. The preliminaries for increasing the population of Jerusalem begin in this chapter as Nehemiah does, uh, he, he does inventory on who exactly is in our city. You know, every year, every was it every four years our country has a census? Is it four years? Ten? Somebody help me out. Is it ten? Ten years. Every ten years, our, and that's by constitutional law, we have a... See, who's here? How many people do we have in our country? And people go, you have no right... Yes, they... Man, who's here? Where are you from? And who's, who's in our country? It's a good... And it's biblical. Nehemiah is going to take inventory. Who's here? Who's dwelling in our land? And, and what type of people do we have? Do we have good people? Do we got bad people? Do we got corrupt people? Do we have Jewish people or do we got more Gentiles? Who's here? I need to know these things if we're going to govern this place right. And our country needs to know who's coming in, by the way. Our country shouldn't. We should know who's coming in. I'm not against immigration. I'm not. My, my, my ancestors were immigrants. But everybody needs to come in and we need to know who is coming into our country. That's a good thing. It's safe, and, and, and it protects all of us. So this chapter is nearly a carbon copy of chapter number 2 of the book of Ezra, which some, with some minor differences. Ezra recorded the people who, came, uh, who first came to Judah after the decree of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, at least three kings, or three things, I should say, are prompted Nehemiah to begin this census-taking in Jerusalem. First of all, there's the situation. Verse 4, he talks about, Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not built. Again, the smallness of the count of the people. You know, I think it's Germany and several countries, because of their low birthright, because they're not producing children, they're, they're really struggling because you need people to, to make an economy run. And if you don't have the manpower in a country, your country is going to shrink and, and go into problems. So you have to have the manpower 
to, to man your country. You need its workers to make sure an economy flows. And when a country says, you know what, we're not going to have children and live on socialism and just sit back and relax and nobody has children, well, your country is headed for problems. And, and that's why other countries in Europe basically imported so many refugees to help build up their, their workforce because their own people were not doing it. They were not having children. And again, there's nothing... You know, we live in a country where if a family has four... I told somebody today, oh, your daughter's having a baby? Is this her first? I said, no, this is her fourth. I go, fourth? Oh, my soul, four children. I was like, it's four. It's not a big number. Again, my, my parents... At six, right? Today, she'd be that's like, six, oh, my soul, what are you doing, six kids? We all ate. We all did well. We all had clothes on our back. It may have been my brother's clothes, but I, was, I had hand-me-downs, amen. But we, uh, by the way, if you look at some class pictures, there's my brother wearing a jacket, and then there I am. I was like, what? It's the same jacket. And I, wait, I'm wearing this jacket in second grade. I'm wearing this jacket in third grade. I'm, and, uh, hey, that thing wouldn't wear out, amen? But we had clothes, but... It's almost they try to sh shame you if you have family today. They shame you if you have children today. Like, you know, just one and done, or maybe two, I want to have one of each. And today we can't even say that. It's offensive to those who don't know what they are. We have six, one of each. And it's like, what? <laughs> now, he goes on. You think I'm joking? I'm not. I've told you they've lost their minds outside those doors. They really have. They're, they're gone. Hershey just, it's International Women's Day, and Hershey, for their spokesman, they've, 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 uh, it's a man in costume. It's a man. To celebrate women, they put a man who has, who dresses up like a woman. That's, and so it's her, she. Hershey. It's a, this is, you know, so if you see one of these international women's bar and they got some dude on the cover wearing a wig and, and lipstick, don't buy it. Okay? Let Hershey rot. I, I love Hershey candy bars, but I'm on a diet right now, so I can really stick to this to this boycott. And uh, but you know, I'm not buying a. I realize chocolate can't be gay, but the guy on the cover can be, and I'm not buying it. All right. This is what happens. When our country goes woke. This is why I can't run for office, by the way. All they got to do is listen to one of these sermons and they'll, they'll hang me out there. So God inspired Nehemiah to take the senses of the people. And when God inspires us to action, amen, it will be a good action. But there are many things in this world which would inspire us to evil action. You know, our TV and our music and so many things out there inspire us to do evil things. Again, Judas Iscariot was inspired by Satan. The Bible says that the devil put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Christ in John chapter 13, verse number 2. And so we need to make sure the Holy Spirit of God is inspiring us to do good things. You know, I, was, I had to work the other day. My boss asked if I can come in real quick. I was helping with a small job in the morning, so I went in Friday and, and I was helping him. And as I was leaving the work van, the Lord put somebody on my heart. I said, let me shoot him a text and say, how are you doing today? I've been thinking about you, and the Lord put you on my heart. And they, and they wrote me a text back like this. It's amazing that you sent that text when you did. And they went through the whole litany of what they're going through. 
I said, well, I can't do anything for you except the greatest thing I know I can do is that I'll bring your name before the Father of grace and I'll pray for you that the Lord will help you through this time. I can't fix your problems. And in fact, no man can fix your problems, but there's a God in heaven who hears prayers and, and will pray for you. So when God puts good on your heart, do it. God puts good on your heart, to, whether it's to say something, go somewhere, give something, you do it. You'll never regret doing good for Almighty God. And Nehemiah is a man who's doing good for Almighty God. He says in these verses, and again, verse 5, and, 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 and my God put it into my heart. My friend, and if God puts it on your heart, the world will oppose you. But you're doing what God told you to do. Why are you doing that, Pastor? Because God told me to do it. There's some things in life I know without a doubt God laid it on my heart to do certain things. And what, what those are, they're not important. But I just know God laid it on my heart to do it. And, I, and this is what God wants me. What are you doing? I think God wants me to do this. Again, it may not have amounted to much to the world's concern, but it, it, I did what God wanted me to do. And Nehemiah is doing a great work, and he does what God wants him to do. And what's he do? He gathers the nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found the register of the genealogy of them, which came up to the first and found written therein. Again, sometimes God's work is not exciting. This is not exciting work. Now, I like doing genealogy. I haven't had time to do it lately, but I do enjoy going on and studying my ancestors, where they came from, and, 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 and knowing who they were. I've put a lot of information together on some of them and, and, and really concentrated on some of them really hard. And, 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 and if the Lord lets, if I can just get a few more key pieces of information, I'll, I'll write a book about it. I just need, I'm missing some pieces I really need to before I can go any further. But genealogy is tedious work and trying to figure things out. They have to figure out their genealogy. And why is it important? Because it all plays part in the coming Messiah. Now, he talks here again, this idea in verses 6 and 7, the children of the province went up out of the captivity uh, of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away, with whom was rubble. So the people listed in a catalog of genealogies which Nehemiah recorded in, the, in this chapter were the first group that returned to Judah and Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Now, what can we say about these people? And we'll close with this tonight. What can we say about these people who returned? The first bunch that comes back to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity. Well, we can talk about their faith. Those who came to Judah and Jerusalem from Babylon uh, had, the, the, for the most part, there were, uh, were people who wanted to be there. These people were not hypocrites. They were, they were sincere. They, were, they, they had great faith to return. Again, if, if, if you've come to this country from a foreign land, I, I, do, I say this all the time, I admire you. I don't know if I could do that. Going to a foreign land that doesn't speak my language intimidates me greatly. That's what keeps me from maybe from going overseas so much because I don't speak the language and that, that 
terrorizes me a little bit. How am I going to get around? How, how do I read a sign? Uh, you know, and, and sometimes you go to a foreign country, you say, do you speak English? And then they get mad at you. Because look at this American here. Everybody speaks his language. And it's like, no, I, just, 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 I need help. I asked a guy in Brussels when I was there buying a stick of gum. I said, hey. I said, how you doing? Good to see you. I forgot I was in Brussels. You know, you land in an airport. You're in an airport. You're, it's like, it looks like Newark, you know, just an airport. And I, I said, how you doing? Good to see you. And, and how much is the gum? He's just staring at me. I said, I'm sorry. I'm in Brussels. You speak English? Yeah, I speak English. Calm down there, Brussels. I, no, no offense now. I'm not trying to just, just asking. But if you came here, I admire that. I really do. Somebody just got on a plane and came to America without knowing anybody. It's like, how do you do that? I couldn't do that. So you're better off than, you're better, braver than I am. My ancestors, brave people, came here with nothing, knowing nobody. That group that came back in that first genealogy, we're going back to a city that's still burnt out and ruined. But let's go back. Let's give up our farm, our business, our land here, our nice house here in Babylon. Let's go back to a burnt-out place. That's, that's, that's some good people. That's faith. We know the fewness. The records that Nehemiah recorded here in this seventh chapter indicate that the Jews were quite few in number compared to the number that used to live in the land before captivity. And part of the reason for the fewness was because there were few interested in the land and rebuilding and resettling in God's land. Only a few in every generation are dedicated enough to experience difficulties and sacrifice for the cause of the Lord. Today, we live in a land where we, the, the, those who sacrifice to build this country are hated. Not in my book. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for any crime that happened to the people who were here before us. I really am. But I, I am a Christian, and I believe God Almighty had plans for this continent, and it was Christianity. And the inhabitants of this land were spilling into hell by the bucket loads. And God brought Christians to this land to evangelize those people and tell them of Jesus Christ so that the Native Americans and whoever else was here, and by the way, I'm a Native American. I mean, I was born here, so I'm a Native American, so that's, that ends that question. But if, you, if your ancestors were part of this continent at that 100 years ago, 500 years ago, they were slaughtering and killing each other and committing human sacrifices, just like my ancestors were in Europe before the gospel reached them. Thank God for the gospel and for those who came here and, and built a nation so that we can have what we have and the freedoms and the liberty and the privilege of being in a church building on a Sunday night without fear of somebody kicking our door down and, and arresting us. Thank God for that. So these were few in number. They were brave individuals to face a new world. Jerusalem's new. We've only heard about it from our parents and grandparents. We don't know anything about it, but let's go back. And we see one other thing is the foreman, Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the high priest. These men come back. There's 12 men listed in, in Nehemiah's, in, in, in these verses, chapter verse number 7. These men were, were like the signers of the Declaration of Independence. They were not willing to venture from Babylon to Judah. I'm sorry, they were willing to venture from Babylon to Judah to form a new land, to reestablish the nation. 
These were noble men indeed. These were courageous men. These were men greatly dedicated to the Lord. And Nehemiah gives this record of them and what they did and, and how we need to be in our day and time to be great men and women of faith and be willing to make a step out sometimes out of our luxury box and do something that God has called us to do. Maybe it's even with faith missions. Well, I've never given above $5 before. Well, why don't you step outside the box and trust God and see what God can do, whatever that amount may be. Again, I didn't plan on tying missions into it, but it's there. It's there in our, what we do for God. These people, and now that they're back, they got their walls up, they got the temple singers in place and the porters, that's all working. The gates are working and the city business can come in and out. That's all working. Now we got the genealogy who's in our city. Let's go about building the city now. Let's get our houses built and we'll see where Nehemiah goes with this. Father, bless the time, bless the